Well, good morning and welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I lead alongside of my wife, Lee. We're glad that you are with us. If you were here last week, you may have noticed that I was not. And I am really, really grateful for Lee and the team members that shared about Jesus' authority and the Bible's authority in their life. I'm grateful that we have voices that are, are profound and full of wisdom that can share, certainly in my absence. I took our daughter Ava with me to Calgary for a celebration of life. There's a guy named Ken who is a significant mentor to me while I was on staff at a church in Calgary, and he uh, had ALS, he had Lou Gehrig's disease, and he passed away recently, and so Ava and I went to his celebration of life. And when I was sharing with Parker, who is five, hey, I'm going to take Ava, just Ava, to Calgary, I was anticipating a response where he would be sad or disappointed, and it was my favorite, because his first thing, he was like, oh, okay, you're gone? I go, yeah. He goes, uh, mom, can I sleep in your bed while he's gone? <laughs> he's like, uh, listen, Ava's gone for five days. This is like Parker and mom time. He was really pumped. Now, I also, on the first day, got a text message from Lee that showed Parker asleep on my side of the bed, and I was like, how long did that last? And she's like, two hours, because he was making all sorts of wild animal noises while he was sleeping, and he's like, I'd like to sleep. But it was beautiful to me that here he is, he's not thinking, oh, I'm missing out on something. He's going, I get one-on-one time with mom. And on Saturday, I was at the celebration of life where I brought Ava, who's seven. And you can imagine what that is like. It was important to me to bring her, but There were some moments that as people were talking in a not-so-quiet voice, she's like, they're talking for a really long time. (laughs) And she's hearing all of these perspectives and the celebration of Ken's life. Ken had been a pastor and a business owner more recently. He was significant, certainly in my life, but in the life of many. So much so that we were in this large room that were filled with people that had been impacted by his life. And there was a couple of things that struck me as people shared as we celebrated his life. Because the beautiful thing for those of us that follow Jesus is that death, though we mourn, is not the end. And so we don't just look and go, we miss him, we celebrate his life. And so there were two groups of people that stood out to me. One was his biological children and the other was his spiritual son. His biological children went up and they shared, and they shared these beautiful stories that were mixed with who Ken was, also with humor. I don't know if you've been to a funeral where, and I sometimes struggle with it, where the people pretend like this person was perfect. They're like, he was the greatest human being that ever existed. He was always patient, always humble, always passionate. And you're like, all of those things? And I think there's a tendency sometimes to forget that he's also a human being. And so I heard his kids telling stories that reflected his humanity and also the impact that he had in their life. It was profound for me. And here I am sitting with my seven-year-old girl who can barely sit still, and I was struck by this moment. And then his spiritual son went up, and he was sharing about the impact that Ken had, and again, mixing humor with real life, and it, and it stuck with me. 
I was so grateful that we could go, that Ava and I could go together and we could go and celebrate this man's life. But I was also really struck by the significance of legacy. I was looking at a room filled with one man who was obedient to Jesus, his legacy. The legacy of someone who was faithful as God invited him into each step in his life. I was struck by the legacy that one parent can leave. And so today I want to take a slight, a slight pause from, from tough questions, and I want us to think and celebrate legacy in the context of Mother's Day. Now, I think in some ways we could probably put this under the umbrella of tough questions because one of the greatest questions that I think we have as human beings is, does my life matter? Am I investing in something that matters? What is the legacy that I am leaving? And so on a day like today, on a day like Mother's Day, we get to actually think about the legacy of moms, the legacy of women in our midst. We reflect on these significant questions. And here's what I know to be true about Mother's Day and motherhood, is that mothers are not one size fits all. I know that there are some people in the room that are biological moms, some people maybe that are in the room or watching online that are stepmoms, foster moms, there are grandmas, and then there are also spiritual moms, women that have invested their life for others, given their life to others. And so whether they're biological or not, that they've poured out what they have spiritually to those that are coming after them. All of those are significant. And so we want to celebrate and we want to honor each of you, all of the women that are in the room, every single person who is willing to pour out their life for the sake of others. And so I want to pray for us, and then I want to dig in together. God, in these moments, think about what Kevin said, and I know we bring in all sorts of baggage, that there are some of us that even in terms of our own life, we have all sorts of things that we attach to Mother's Day. God, I pray that you would be the one that speaks that you would heal and guide and strengthen, that you would challenge where we need to be challenged, that you would lead us where we need to be led. Holy Spirit, come. Speak your words. Speak to us. Cut through all the noise. God, those of us in the room that are distracted or worn out or discouraged, I pray that you would be the one that would speak directly to their hearts. We love you. I need you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a passage that is found in Deuteronomy that I think is significant as we reflect on legacy and Mother's Day. It's in the Old Testament. So if you're not super familiar with the Bible, the Bible is to split up, is to split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Deuteronomy is near the beginning of the Old Testament. This is the, the scriptures that the Jewish people had that were so important to them that we then carry on through the New Testament. And so in Deuteronomy, there is this, this beautiful passage. And it is, just to give context, it's a call to the parents of Israel, God's chosen people, but I think that it speaks beautifully to us today. So Deuteronomy 6 is where we will be. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy 6, 
chapter four, or if you have your app and you can resist the urge to any notifications that come up or getting the next level in Candy Crush, feel free to open up your Bible app and go to Deuteronomy 6. And I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. Deuteronomy 6, verse four. I'm gonna read it and then we'll unpack it. It says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Now notice how this section of scripture starts. It starts with, listen, O Israel, exclamation. There is an emphasis here, and it's important for us to understand. Anytime we're reading the Bible and there is exclamation, it denotes significance and importance. It causes us to go, okay, wait, maybe, just maybe, we need to listen. Maybe we need to actually take this seriously. And notice what, he, what, what the author says next. It says, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. It is of crucial importance in every single day of our life if we want to follow Jesus to be reminded that the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. That nothing takes precedence over him. That priorities are in their rightful place. We put God at the very center of everything. Everything else comes secondary to him. Now, Moses wrote most of Deuteronomy, and Moses writes Deuteronomy as someone who understands humanity. Thousands of years later, still, the, he understands that human beings really have not changed all of that much. Our tendency is to often get distracted and to put secondary things in primary positions. That we take all sorts of things and we go, yeah, yeah, the Lord is my God, but also kind of money and success and my children and all of that. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let's make sure that we're putting God at the center. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. This idea of lordship is of crucial importance. It's important that we understand what we are submitting ourselves to, what we are willing to do. We are saying, if we follow Jesus, your way, not mine. You are the one that gets to tell me how to live. You are the one that gets to guide me. You are the Lord of my life, and I am submitting to you. Now, that can be hard for many of us, but that is a central reality before we go any further that we understand that our life is lived in submission to God. Now, remember that this passage is speaking to parents, and Moses is reminding all of us that we must put God at the center of everything, including our parenting. And then he continues in verse five, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Now, you might hear that, that little section and go, wait a second, that sounds familiar. Like if you grew up in church, you're going, wait, I think I've heard that before. Where, where have I heard that? Well, Jesus actually quotes this in Matthew 22. 
Jesus is quoting this passage in Deuteronomy. He's being grilled by the religious leaders at the time, and he quotes this passage as the first commandment. And so if Jesus is saying this is important, maybe, just maybe, it is. And so we look at what Moses is saying, Jesus has echoed, and next he says, Moses says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Wholehearted commitment. Not partial commitment, not half commitment, wholehearted commitment. Can I remind you of something that is profoundly true spiritually and in your life? You cannot produce and reproduce what you are not. You only produce or reproduce what you are, who you are. You cannot be someone that would love to reproduce or produce children that wholeheartedly follow Jesus if you do not. This is so important for us to understand, not just for biological parents, but for anyone in the room, you are responsible for developing others. Our call is to make disciples who make disciples. It is to reproduce what God has done in us in the lives of others. You cannot reproduce something that you are not currently doing. And it creates tension. Because you go, I want to see people that passionately follow Jesus. I'm just not going to. And there lies the rub. There is the disconnection. If our faith is only real one hour of one day once a week, we cannot produce disciples that live differently. This is challenging for us. This is confrontational where you're hearing this and going, okay, this means there is a responsibility that I own. This should hold weight in each of our lives. There is is a challenge here and there is a significant opportunity. And my encouragement would be do not settle for less than fully following the way of Jesus in your life. This is life as it should be. The invitation here that we find in the Old Testament that, that again, we have echoed by Jesus is to follow the commands given wholeheartedly. But what are those commands? I mean, Moses is presupposing that you just, you know all of the commands. Well, if Jesus echoed Moses' commands, what did Jesus say? So going back to Matthew, where going forward to Matthew where Jesus is speaking and he's echoing the scripture, in Matthew 22, verse 36, it says this. Now these are religious leaders they're trying, it specifically says trying to trap Jesus. Hey, what's the most important thing, thinking he's going to answer poorly? And Jesus' response is this, teacher, or the, the, the religious leader says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And one of the challenges that I think is true in 2023 is we hear all of this and we simplify it to, we just need to love everyone which we simplify even further is we just need to be nice to everyone, just not step on toes. 
just keep everyone happy. Did we do what we could to keep everyone content? Yeah, then I think we're good. But that is not what Jesus is saying. These commandments that Jesus is inviting us to are profound and they are costly. Jesus is saying to love God with everything we have. Everything. Every single thing that we have, we submit and we go, I want to love you with all of it. My mind, my strength, my soul, all of it. Is that cheap? No, that costs us everything. And then he's saying to love people like we love ourselves. This is self-sacrificial and costly love. This is wanting and wishing God's absolute best. This sacrificial love is something most of us have seen in our moms. The moms that make food for everyone else and then eat last. And if you've been around children at a, at a supper table, they're like little tyrants. Like our kids are wonderful and I love them, but they also do not pay attention to anyone except for them. They're like, hey, I need my food right now. And then Lee's like about to make food. I also need a drink. And I go, I'll get you a drink. They're like, mom's gonna grab it. I'm like, wow, okay. It, it, it's it, what we see in, in moms at their best is this sacrificial Love that says, I'm going to put others before myself. But then there's this other part of going, there's also responsibility not just to say, you get whatever you want. Like that I love you enough. I love, we love our kids enough to give them what they need, not always what they say they want. This kind of love that Jesus is inviting us into is costly. And it requires us to speak up in moments, that there are moments that we see people about to shipwreck their lives, do something that will harm them. And the responsibility for those of us that follow Jesus is to say something, not to just go, you know, the most loving thing would be just to let them ruin their lives because, you know, that's good and Canadian and polite and I'll just leave it there. No, the responsibility for us is to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Would we not want to avoid pitfalls and landmines and things that will harm us, of course. The invitation for us is to love people like that, actually to live our life in sacrifice of others. The way of life that Jesus offers us is costly, and yet it is the way of true life. These are the commands for those of us that follow the way of Jesus. Jesus, as he summarizes all of the law in this costly, self-sacrificial little, little snippet, it, it, we realize that it costs us everything and yet is the way of life for those of us who follow Jesus. And so back to Deuteronomy, we've been told to follow wholeheartedly, with wholehearted commitment, all of the commands that we've been given. And then look what comes next, because I think this is so profound for us to understand, certainly in Mother's Day. In verse 7, it says, repeat them again and again. These commands that we follow wholeheartedly, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Now, notice what he says. He says, repeat them again and again. Repeat them again and again. If you have children, you know this to be true, that you have to repeat it again and again and again and again. The important thing to understand that is it about, it is about consistency, not intensity. 
You don't just yell it once and think they'll get it. You have to repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. If you are a parent, you know that repetition is a guarantee. And there are moments that I'm like, I've told you 800 times, please just listen. And it's so easy for us to go, well, that's just kids. But the truth is, that's us. And I'll just be honest, that's me. There are times that God has to say, do I really have to repeat myself again? And you're like, well, I forgot what you wanted me to do. Well, I forgot what you said. Over and over and over again, repeating the things that we need to do. If you are in the room and you serve in kids' ministry or you invest in younger generations, you know that you have to repeat over and over and over again. And share, this is the way of Jesus. This is the invitation. This is the call. This is what it looks like. Because every single day we are faced with many choices, many of which it is easier to do what the world would like us to do. It is more difficult to do what Jesus would want us to do. And so through repetition, repeatedly saying over time, I want to consistently move in that direction, it requires constant reminders I listened to someone that talked about leadership and saying, like, 90% of leadership is not sharing new things. It's repeating the things that we should already do that we already know. And I think, man, that is so bang on. We know things, and yet there's a disconnect between what we know and what we do. Repeat over and over and over again. And when it comes to our discipleship, when it comes to our apprenticeship, as we follow Jesus, this is true for us. We need continued repetition. This is why we have practices or disciplines, rhythms. It's why we read our Bibles regularly, not because we just do it to check off the box and to feel like good Christians, because we need to consistently renew our minds with what God is saying to combat the lies that we might believe. We need to look again at the Bible and say, this is what God says is true. And it is, in, it is in contrast to what I see. And I'm reminded again, yes, that is the way of life. Tell them again and again, repeat again and again the commandments that I have given. But then it says next, talk about those commandments that you are repeating. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. This is the reminder. I, listen, mountaintop moments are amazing. And moments where you go, God spoke and something happened during worship or I was out praying, those are amazing. But the best stuff happens in ordinary moments. It happens when you're coming and you're going, when you're on the road, when you're driving, when you're at work, when you're feeding your kids lunch, when you're simply just being present. There was a moment that we had with Ava that that she shared with Lee that was so incredibly encouraging and a reminder of this where she was, Ava was saying, we've been talking a ton about prayer and talking about healing and And praying, our response when things happen is we pray as a family. We want that to be a value, that that's what we do. And Ava has taken that really seriously. And she was telling Lee, she's like, I was at school the other day. And there was a kid who was on crutches who I think had a cast. And she's like, so I stopped and I prayed for him. I don't think she went over. I think she just prayed. And and she said the next day he was healed. And in her mind, she's like, see, prayer, of course. We should pray for things. That's what we do, right? Right? 
And those are ordinary moments. And she shared that with Lee in ordinary moments. It wasn't like, mother, let us make an appointment. Let's sit down. I must pontificate all of the things that God hath done in my life. No, she was just talking to Lee. And Lee, she's like, so? Lee's like, how was your day? And she's like, well, actually, this crazy thing happened. But she didn't really think it was that crazy. She's like, I was just doing what you guys said. Like, we pray, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. That reminder. And, and what does that do as we hear those stories, celebrate those stories, and encourage those stories? Again, it repeats and habituates in Ava, we are people that pray. We believe in prayer. And we pray as our first response to things. But she didn't do it in some mountaintop moment. She did it in the ordinary. And because Lee, as a phenomenal mom, was present with her, she noticed those moments. It is so important that we understand that the the significant thing for those of us, every single one of us that is responsible for others, and all of us are responsible for making disciples, we understand that the best stuff happens in ordinary moments. Listen, going out for coffees with people is amazing. But one of the things that I learned through youth ministry is the most impactful was when I'd take students to run errands with me. And in your mind, you're like, why does a teenager want to come with me to the grocery store? Because they want to see, what does this look like in real life? Like, what do I do when I'm just doing things? What does it look like to see God at work? What does it look like to be the kind of Christian that does not just restrict my following of Jesus to an hour on a Sunday and maybe a little bit of quiet time through the week? What does it look like to integrate my faith into my current reality? And the invitation for us, certainly for parents, but I'd say for every single person in the room, is quit trying to pawn that responsibility off on other people. Well, you know what? Someone else that probably knows a little bit better or does something better, they'll be the one that takes care of it. No, the invitation is for each of us to, is to step into every single moment that God gives us in the ordinary moments as we come, as we go, on the road or at home, to invest in the people that are around us. When it comes to us as parents, we do not get to say someone else's responsibility is to disciple my kids. It is our responsibility. We are responsible because we have so much time with our children where they look at our life and they see whether this is real or not. And because we reproduce who we are, what we see in our kids is a reflection of what's going on in our own lives. As an encouragement for parents, for biological and spiritual parents, for people in any, kind of, in any kind of situation where they're investing in others, I want you to know and feel the weight of it. The kids are watching you. The next generation is watching us. And they're asking the questions, is this real or not? Does this impact your life? Do you live differently? Do you respond to challenges differently? Do you respond to situations that require faith with faith or fear? And that is not to say that the expectation is to be perfect because in those moments that we recognize I don't have it all sorted out, that we're honest with kids and we're honest with the next generation are actually the moments that bring, us, bring them in closer because they go, oh, wait, so the expectation is not perfection. The expectation is every single day continuing to surrender more and more every part of my life to the will and way of Jesus. See, for every single person that's in the room or watching online after, 
just from a, from a practical perspective, as Lee and I with two kids, I know my kids are watching you. My kids are watching and they do things. And there are lighthearted things, like Parker really got into wearing his hat backwards. And I was like, hey, where'd you learn that from? And he's like, Will. Will's on the drums with his hat backwards. And he's like, he looks cool. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that. But then he also sees Will praying, worshiping. He sees people serving. Like for my kids, they know at church, it's not just to sit and watch others. We serve together. They help set up in the kids area. That's been something that the kids team has done an unbelievable job at and going, we are not consumers, we are contributors. And so if my kids are watching, I think it's pretty safe to assume that all of our kids are watching, that those that are younger are watching. I know that people that are younger or maybe newly married are watching those that have been married for a longer period of time or parents that have gone before. All of us looking at different generations wondering, how do I do this? The beautiful thing about community is we get to be a family that is united by Jesus and following him where all of us can contribute to each other's growth. We can be people that model Jesus to every single generation. And for the moms in the room, whether you're a biological mom or you have some people that you are a spiritual mom too, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't give up. Don't give up when it's difficult. Like when it's the hundredth time that you repeated something and you're like, is this even worth it? Like, should I just bail? It's in the consistency over time that we see significant life change. And maybe you've heard the, the phrase, and if you're a parent, I think you almost need to hold on to it, the idea that the days are long and the years are short. Because, man, sometimes the days are long. Where you're like, I love my children, but could I just put them in their rooms on a tablet the whole day? Would I be a bad parent if I was like, hey, here, grandparents, you take them today. <laughs> and yet, there are these reminders for us that, that the time that we have is short, and the invitation for us is significant. I know that some of us in the room can wonder, is what I'm doing making a difference? Am I actually, am I reproducing in kids or the next generation what I hope to reproduce? And I want you to know if you daily are following Jesus and doing your best to model what that looks like, not perfectly, but sincerely, that what you are doing is having a significant and profound effect on those in your orbit. Significant for them to see people that are actually actively following Jesus and not just doing church once a week, but trying to integrate. What does it look like to integrate the way of Jesus into my life? There is encouragement here, and there is challenge. The responsibility for us, when we think about the next generation, we should feel the weight of responsibility for that. Because for us, we have a generations coming after us that that has, is experiencing significant mental health challenges. There's increasingly less uh, solid parental units or family units. And so as the church, we have a, a beautiful invitation to do something different and better. There's a passage in Ephesians that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that if you've been around in the church, you've heard. And I, I wanna just read it, and then I wanna approach it from a slightly different angle. It says, children, obey your parents. 
because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Honor your father and mother. When you do, things will go well for you. And there can be moments as parents, especially where we try to struggle for some sense of control, that we go, see, Bible says you need to honor me. And you're like, you better honor me right now. And your kids begrudgingly are like, thank you for all that you do. And you're like, that's right. That's right. Now go to your room. But you know what I think the invitation for us is when I think about this? Is for us to be the kind of community and church family that is worth honoring. The kind of community that people that are coming before us, the younger generation, our kids go, I, I want what they have. I want my life to be like their life. I want that kind of relationship with Jesus. I want what they have. I am willing. It is easier for me to honor them. Let's be the kind of community that makes it easier for people that are coming after us to honor, to learn that actually the way they are living is the way of life. And when I live like that, my life will be better. I think that there is a profound responsibility for every single one of us in the room to consider, is my life the kind of life that is easy to honor because it is in submission to Jesus? Because listen, the honoring piece, that can be abused and like you need to honor people in whatever position. I I want people to honor our lives because they're honoring Jesus because we are first. Like our life is in complete submission to Jesus's will and way and guidance that they're just honoring Jesus through us, not even us. Let's model the kind of life that is worthy of reproducing and modeling. And this is why for us as a church, we really value intergenerational. That is all generations. It's why our co-groups are not just one group, because we need different ages and stages investing in each other. We don't want to just be a community of one age group that says, I think we've got it all figured out, because the truth is we haven't. We need younger and we need older. We need people with wisdom And wisdom can come with age and in some cases does not come naturally for some people. There can be young people that are passionate and also have wisdom beyond their years. We need all generations. And when we think about Mother's Day, I want you to know we value women in all ages and stages. That what you bring to the community is profound and significant. And I want to remind you of the responsibility that every single one that is younger than you is watching you. Every single boy, every single guy, every single woman, every single child is looking at your life and asking questions. And I want to remind you that that God is at work in the midst of that, both in your weakness and your strength. Because I know there are times, certainly as a parent, you're like, am I... (laughs) Like, no one gave us manuals. We're kind of figuring it out as we go. And there's moments where you're like, am I, do I suck? <laughs> like, I think I'm doing what God asks. And in those moments, as we continue to lay our life in submission to Jesus, he continues to show up in our weakness. And then in other moments, he shows up in our strength. 
And like Deuteronomy is saying, God shows up and he teaches those that are coming after us in ordinary moments. When faith moves from a concept to reality. See, it's not just enough for us to know a bunch of theological truths if it does not actually change how we live. Our kids are watching us. They're watching you when you grieve and when you celebrate. And I've seen this increasing tendency to diminish differences between genders or to caricature them. Like to make each gender look like this this crazy other thing that does not reflect reality. But can I just speak to the women in the room and just remind you, we are better because of you. And not you being something that you think you should be, you being exactly who you are in Jesus that our community is better because of you, and we need you. We need all generations of women who want to actually follow the way of Jesus and help others to do the same. This is what we need. And so my challenge and encouragement is don't neglect the gifts that God has given you. I know the, the tendency to compare is strong. Don't try to be something you're not. Be you in every single moment as God is shaping and refining you. We each have spiritual gifts. All the women in the room, you have spiritual gifts. Use those gifts for the sake of others. But don't lose sight of the ordinary moments. Those are the moments where God guides and shapes and leads and changes people's lives. I've been so struck by, by the early church and, and how they went from in, in just a few short periods of year, very short period of time, they went from being persecuted to then having millions of people following and changing the reality of the Roman system. And one of the things that, that scholars have looked at that shaped the early church is this idea of faithful presence, that the early Christians were faithful and they were present in every single moment. I think that is the invitation for you as a woman and as a mom is to just be faithful and present in the moments that God guides and shapes. And if you don't have biological children, you have spiritual children. And if you want them, you can have them. There are some people that would love to have you investing their lives, your life into them. Because I do want us to pay attention and be prepared that there is increasingly, there are many people that do not have st- stable families and parents that love them and parents that, that encourage them or challenge them. They have distant parents. And so the invitation is not just for those that have biological children, but for every single woman in the room to go, what does it look like to use my gifts to follow the way of Jesus for the sake of others? We need you. We need you to be willing to give your life for those that are coming after you, to model a different way of life. At the very end of that video, there was a passage in Proverbs 31, 30, Proverbs 31, verse 31, that says, reward her for all she has done. That Proverbs 31 is talking about a woman that is following, that's following God's way and, and how significant and profound and impactful that is. And one of the challenges for Lee and I in the church is that we function 
certainly spiritually like spiritual mom and dad for this family that God has brought together. And that can be challenging. That's beautiful and challenging because there are moments that we go, we see people moving in different directions and, and our heart breaks and we recognize that we can, we can encourage and offer guidance so we can't make all the choices for people. It feels like parenting. And there are other parts where you see people thriving and flourishing and growing and you're so excited. And I think one of the, one of the challenges certainly for collective is because I'm up here a lot, sometimes I think that you can lose sight of how significant Lee as the mom of collective church is. And so I want to publicly, she, doesn't, she didn't know I was doing this, but I wanna, I wanna honor her in front of everyone because I think it's really important. I want you to know that, that all the things that we do, we do together, that Lee's fingerprints are on everything. And there's the challenge for Lee that being around other pastors and, and having this expectation to be something that she is not, and what I'm so grateful is that she brings all her gifts and uses them for the sake of others to build God's church, and I get to be with her in that, that we get to do that together. And so I, I just want you, to, I want you to understand how important it is for me and, and certainly as I lead to go, I'm not leading by myself. Lee is not a pastor's wife. We lead together. This is not like Lee is there and every once in a while I'm like, what do you think, Lee? I ask her about everything and sometimes she's like, like it's, it's a lot. It's, there's not, if we're not careful, our boundaries are, are we have to fight for but it's important that you know that, that as, the, as a spiritual mom in this house, in this church, that, that she loves you and cares for you and that we are better for it, that we are the church that we are and we will become the church that we will become according to what God has in large part because of her investment and her gifts. And so my encouragement would be, whether it's Lee or someone else in the room, to honor them today with your words. You know what I, I know to be true? And I say this in our team, but I think that we, we, um, we often criticize really specifically and encourage vaguely. So we're like, hey, let me tell you the 14 things you did wrong. But hey, great job. And you're like, I don't feel like I did a great job. I feel like, I feel like crap now. Thanks a lot for that. And I think so often, and we all know this intrinsic, intrinsically, we have this internal voice that says all sorts of things, Right? You're not this, you're not enough of that, if only whatever, if people knew, then all these things. What if our external voice could combat that? And so my encouragement would be, whether it's your biological mom or, or something else, or maybe it's someone that has been like a spiritual mom to you that has had significant impact on you, tell them today. Call out the individual and ordinary moments that they made an impact in your life. Talk about the ways that you've seen in their life a life that is modeled in the way of Jesus. I was thinking at this celebration of life that we say all these things about people's impact when they're gone. And I think that's important, but let's say it while they're here too. And so maybe the invitation for you this week is not just, I mean, write your nice card to your mom, give her flowers, but then sit her down and just say what you, what you would like to say to her, what maybe she needs to hear. Because we also know on the other side that, that this life is difficult 
And we have all sorts of moments that we wonder, is it making a difference? Let's, let's do that. Let's communicate the difference that people have made. Maybe you're in the room and you go, uh, this is an opportunity to change. And you think about legacy, the kind of legacy that we are building, the kind of legacy that you are building. And you think about wholehearted commitment, following, following the commands fully and, and doing this. And you're going, you know what? I've settled into a rhythm and it is not one that I want. And today is an opportunity. Maybe, you, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have biological kids. There are some amazing, amazing kids, even just in our church, that would value and, and, and that we would value, but certainly that they would be better for it if you would invest your life in them. Like we have, we have opportunities to serve in kids' ministry, and I just want to communicate that, that not only is it not babysitting, but if you're not passionate about kids, we love you and love, would love to get you sorted out into other areas because we want people that are passionate about kids. But all of us at some level should be passionate about making disciples. We should be looking at each generation. Maybe it's in kids' ministry. Maybe it's people that are a little bit older. Maybe it's people that are just a generation behind us and go, what does it look like to lay down my life for them, to invest, to pour out my life in them? What does it look like to build the kind of legacy that 30 years from now I'm proud of? What does it look like to rebuild legacy? What does it look like to maybe break some patterns? Maybe you have a really complex relationship with your mom and there's some stuff there and, and, it, and you have an opportunity to do something different. Deuteronomy verse six, four to seven says, listen, O Israel, to parents, to all of us, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. When I see a passage like this, I see an opportunity for us to build a legacy.